knew that was going to happen. It was like the song was about to end, and I was trying to get myself to calm down because I knew I'd be out of breath from that song. <laughs> I love Rattle. Uh, good morning. My name is McLean Murphy, and I'm on the staff in the session here. And welcome to the first 9 a.m. service here in the building. So as you know, we started two services today. We've got another one at 1045. This is our live stream one, so also welcome to our online community. We're just so glad to be with you all this morning um, and just get to celebrate God together. I've been coming to First Pres for about 14 years now. And if you've been around, you've all always hear us talk about how we want First Pres to be like a family. And it really does feel like a family for me. And, and you're probably thinking, well, yeah, you've been here for 14 years. And maybe some of y'all have only been here for 14 minutes. But I think the reason why it feels like a family to me also is, for me, some of the intentionality around the relationships. For about the past year and a half, I've been really intentional with a group of moms who we are trying to raise our boys together. We want our sons to know Jesus and to know scripture and there's something really impactful and beautiful when you start living intentionally with people. God changes your hearts, God changes their hearts, and those deep relationships are more meaningful than any others. And that's what we want here at First Pres. We want you to experience real relationship with each other and with God because we know that that's when transformation takes place. So welcome. If you're new, we would invite you to fill out a connect card so we can get to know you, so we can help you find those deep relationships that are life-giving. Would you pray with me, please? God, we are so thankful um, that this room really does feel like family. And maybe if we're new, maybe that seems so foreign. How could a room full of people that I don't know feel like family? But God, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want deep connection with others? Who doesn't want to find their people? And so I pray for each one of us, Lord, that as we lean into you, that you would surround us with people who begin to feel like family. God, for some of us, we might be really lonely, really aching for community. And that might be the exact desire of our heart. And so I pray, Lord, that you would answer that prayer, that desire of our heart, that you would begin to build community in our lives. Um, because, God, that's what you made us for. That's what you built us for. Lord, in our family, we have people in our hearts and minds um, who we want to celebrate. We celebrate um, our friend Tanya, whose granddaughter was born, Ember, just hours ago. Um, and for new mom Taylor, Lord, we just thank you for the gift of life for this family. We also pray for the Spendries family and the birth of their daughter, Camilla, God, thank you um, for this family adding another little one um, to, their, to their home, and um, we just pray for blessings over them as they grow into a family of four. God, we pray for um, our sister Jackie, um, who was in an accident uh, seven years ago, Lord, and, and she continues day by day to hold on to you, Jesus, and so we pray as she day by day walks forward and trusting you um, that you would heal her mind and body and soul and for her family, Jesus. And then finally, God, we just pray for everything that's going on in the East, for Ukraine and for Russia. God, we know that only through you, only through your power, only through your might, only through your peace um, will anything change. And so, God, we, we entrust that into you and we pray for the people. Um, Lord, we ask for your rescue. 
God, we give you this morning. We give you our hearts. And we thank you um, that we have a place where we can worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, McLean. I have some great, fun, first press happenings to tell you about. The first one is my most exciting announcement, and that is Easter Sunday morning. I love Easter Sunday, and I know that you do too. But it's especially fun this year because you know, right, that we're going to be at Plant High School in the auditorium. Now, maybe some of you have some really weird memories from that space. Okay? We're not going to ask or ask for details, but we're going to redeem that space. And it's going to be an amazing morning, just one service. We want you to understand, and you know you can plan on this, that Rachel Godin, of course, will be planning a ridiculously uh, spectacular morning for your children at the same time in the cafeteria. I bet the memories even grow worse there. But it will be full of life and joy in that space. Parking, it'll be plentiful easy. Who knew? We're all celebrating parking these days, aren't we? So we want you to come, but even more, what if each and every one of us invited someone to come with us? Not even just to come, but say, come with me. Because if I truly believe in the hope and transformative power of the resurrection, and if I love this friend who might not even know anything about Jesus or very little, why wouldn't I invite them to come and hear the story that might change their lives? I hope that you are thinking about someone. I have someone in mind, and I can't wait to invite them to join me, join us. I also get to tell you about the first communion camp. Rachel Godin, our director of children's ministry, is planning an amazing, fun-filled, four-hour, hands-on workshop for children from second to fifth grade to come and learn about the Lord's Supper and then take their first communion on Sunday, May 1st at the 9 a.m. service. Your kids don't want to miss anything she does. So it's the second group that's forming. We have two groups. The first one already filled up. This is group two, and there's room for your son and daughter. I also have the pleasure of telling you that Bryce Lynn, our director of student ministry, is hosting late night game night, an evening of friendly competition between you and your kiddos. This is for, and I did say friendly competition, this is for parents, their students, and siblings to all come on that night, April 3rd, Sunday evening at 6.30 p.m., and you get to see how your family stacks up against other families. Friendly competition, as I said. On Friday nights, once a month, a group of us from First Pres partner with the Ministry of Created, and we visit strip clubs and brothels in order to build relationships with women who are being exploited and trafficked in the sex industry. They welcome us into the dressing room, believe it or not. We bring gifts for these women and for their children, but we also realize that as they're standing there quite literally naked, that it's the nakedness of their fear and the nakedness of their hopelessness that is the most poignant to us. We want these women to know that they are loved 
and treasured by Jesus, but by all of us, the body of Christ, the family of God that McLean talked about a few moments ago. We want to know that's real. Well, I have a picture from the night in January when Created received the Community Hero Award from the Lightning Foundation. You see a sea of faces. I'm grinning like there's no tomorrow. <clears throat> but I want you to know who the hero was. It's the woman on the far left holding the Created jersey that says number 14. Her name is April, and she is a survivor of being trafficked in the sex industry. Now, She's helping other women, and guess what? She knows that we, First Pres, are behind her. She knows it, and she is grateful. First Pres family, you are changing lives, transforming hearts, one life at a time. So I want you to know that there is a generosity box in the back of the room, or you can use these five ways that are going to come up that you can give these are five ways that you can also express your generosity to continue to make sure that the hope of Jesus reaches the darkest places of our city with your love. Thank you, and God bless you. Let's stand together.
I am delighted to introduce to you this morning Joe Sangle. Joe, if you'd just come on up and stand next to me as I introduce you. Joe, here's what you need to know about Joe. Most importantly, this dude has juice, and you're about to hear some good <laughs> stuff. But, that, but that's, that's, that's the most important thing. But what you need to know is Joe and his team have been teammates of ours for the last three years. They're the folks that joined us and helped us through the capital campaign. They're the ones that guided us. They're the ones that taught us how to love God with our money. They're teaching us this now. And so this is the second week of two weeks in a row. How can we win with our finances? I was broke, but now I'm not. Stuff like that. Their company thought it all up. It's called Enjoy Stewardship Solutions. But most importantly, Joe owns the company, and he's the boss of the man we've been working with. But he's a fantastic dude, and you're going to really enjoy hearing what Joe has to say. Thank you, Joe, for being with us today. Thank you so much, Pastor. Fired up. Thank you. Uh, anybody who leads anything knows that you, you, they don't report to you. You actually report to the people that work for you. And uh, so Chad Auckland, who's been serving you, many of you know him. Uh, he's a wonderful teammate of mine. I am fired up to be with you this morning. Uh, it is a great honor and privilege to be with you. I've heard so much about what God has been doing in and through you. And uh, what a joy it was to worship with you at the first 9 a.m. service. Get fired up. I can tell the extra coffee and the snacks and the bagels worked out, so that's wonderful. Uh, for those of you joining online, I hope you have some coffee available and that sort of thing as well. But I am excited today to bring a message as part of this series about money. Uh, let's just take a survey real quick. If you're online, you can comment. Who here likes to talk about money? Who actually likes that conversation? Anybody? Okay, there's about five. The one, let me just tell you what's happening in the room if you're not in here. We, the ones who raised their hands almost raised it like feeling guilty about it. They're like, like, but how many here believes that Satan L. Lucifer invented money conversations? Who, who believe that? Well, here's a fact. Um, it's a very important thing that we need to understand. We make money decisions all day, every day. All of our life, until we die, it will, it will be a money conversation every day. And whether that's good news or bad news, maybe we can recover from it if you think it's bad news. But it is important to understand that it is something that all of us have to deal with and we cannot get away from it. In fact, if we run away from it, well, that's a problem. And today we're going to look at a passage of scripture, uh, and I'm going to kind of summarize it real quick and then we'll look at all the scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 25, uh, it's verses 14 through 30, and it's the parable of the talents. And if you're familiar with this story... Uh, you know that it's a wonderful story that Jesus is sharing. It's red letters in your and my Bible. Jesus spoke it. And he basically shares that there's going to be uh, an owner leaving, and he entrusts his stuff to three servants. And two of them, they did really good things with it, and they doubled their money. And the guy with one, what did he do? Those of you who know the story, he buried his. And uh, when the owner returns, it went really good for those who doubled theirs, went really poorly for the guy who buried his. And so we're going to take a look at that story today, but here's the first point that I wanted to share with you, and I've got a really good four-point message today, and uh, the first one is that we all have to deal with money. We all have to deal with it. Now, just to tell you a little bit about my journey, uh, I'm the youngest of six boys. My mother and father had four boys. They really wanted a daughter, so when that youngest one was about five, they tried one more time, got a baby on the way, and an hour and a half before April Fool's Day... And found out she was having twins. An hour and a half before April Fool's Day, to be exact. March 31st. And so, almost 48 years ago, 
Uh, my mother said when the doctor said, you're having twins. She said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I'm having one and it better be a girl or I'm sending it back. I have witnesses she said that. And so uh, my identical twin brother was born. Seven minutes later, I was born. And uh, she cried and said, the Lord has spoken. If we try for a daughter again, we'll have triplet boys. We're done with this nonsense. So being the youngest of six, you can imagine that uh, money was kind of scarce. Uh, my dad built homes for a living. We were in central Indiana. And uh, in the wintertime, you're not digging too many foundations. And uh, we ate him out of house and home. He quickly figured out how to deal with that. He made us grow our own food. I don't know if anyone here's ever had the privilege of having green bean picking day, but I have every summer of my youth. But here's what I know. Money was scarce. And we, my parents, the only time they talked about it was when they fought about it. You see, it was like a taboo topic. And so I went to all the high school years, and I learned zero classes about money. How about you? I went to home economics, where you're supposed to learn about the home economy. Some of you learned how to balance checkbooks there. They never even talked about that in mine. We learned how to make no-bake cookies that we didn't even put in the oven because they were fearful we'd burn the place down. But here's what I know. I... I I, I'm the youngest six, of six, but me and my twin were the first to go to college. And even though we grew up rooting for Bob Knight and the Indiana Hoosiers, he went to the Indiana Hoosiers. I went to the arch-rival Purdue University to study engineering. And so my twin brother said I, he was going to go from home and uh, do the commuting thing. And I said, I'm going to go to Purdue. And he's like, how are you going to afford that? And I said, well, I'll join the Army if I have to. And turns out I started dating Sally May. Does anybody know Sally May, student loan company, or Federal Direct Loan, Navient, Great Lake Servicing? Well, I ended up financing mine, and the, the humor side story is my twin ended up joining the Army, even though he stayed at home. Uh, we call him doctor now. Uh, but here's what I know. I went to Purdue, and my first weekend there, they offered me free stuff if I'd fill out a credit card application. So I filled out all of them. You know, and I, it's like, it, it feels like it was yesterday. I filled out this first one, and they gave me a free two liter of Coca-Cola. That's good wages for like 30 seconds. What's your name? Joseph Sangle, what is your income? Zero dollars. Uh, what is your job? I don't have one. And they gave me a two liter of Coke, which is way better than Pepsi. Who agrees? <laughs> right? Okay. And then, and then uh, at the next table, they gave me a free T-shirt from AT&T. And the next one, they gave me a duffel bag with American Express's logo on it. And even though I was honest and admitted that I had no income and no job, do you think that prevented them from sending me a credit card? A week later, a credit card showed up in the mailbox, and the next day I started practicing with it. And, and I didn't have that kid's show that's out now that gives you the great warning that says, Swiper, no swiping, come on, vamanos, let's go, you Dora the Explorer fans. Uh, but here's what I know, anytime people talked about money, it was literally like hearing Charlie Brown's teacher. You know, like, wah, 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 wah. Like, no joke, my, I went down to the bank and got a checking account, a student checking account. I wrote my first ever check to buy a tennis racket. I wrote a check. Anybody remember checks? I know the 90s called and they wanted their checkbook back. But here's what I know. I filled out the front of the check and then flipped it over and endorsed it and handed it to him. Like, and the guy said, did you just, like, endorse the check you just wrote to me and that's because it's the only thing that i ever done with the check and so i don't know if you've ever been that way where you feel weird about money but that's how i felt it was like 
when people would start talking about 401k, 403b, 457, SEP IRA, SEMP IRA, TSP, all these different things, I thought they were speaking in tongues, literally. I was like, what is going on? And, and it was like solving this riddle that says, if you're in a canoe with four flat tires paddling down the middle of a cornfield, how many pancakes does it take to cover a doghouse? <laughs> the answer, it doesn't matter because the chicken doesn't eat ice cream anyway. Do you get it? No, you don't get it. And that's exactly what it was for me. And so I knew how to do one thing with money, and I was really good at it. Anybody want to guess what it is? Spend it. I mean, I had the spiritual gift of making money disappear. I could go out, spend too much money on lunch on a credit card, and accidentally buy a truck. Um, Has anybody ever done that? It's not good for your marriage, I can tell you that. (laughs) But here's what I know. I ended up with piles of debt. I graduated uh, with a degree in mechanical engineering from Purdue. Uh, It was a miracle of God that I graduated. Some people in here, you're really smart. You got magna cum laude and summa cum laude. I graduated the lesson known I was called thank the laude and got out of there. I didn't get any A in any engineering class. But I, I it, really quickly over the next three years, I got married and I financed the engagement ring, the wedding ring, the wedding and the honeymoon to Jamaica all on the credit card. I bought a car. I had no money. I even financed a sales tax for this new car. No joke. Uh, then I bought a truck, 100% finance. I bought a house. I managed somehow to scrape together a 5% down payment. And then I bought furniture 24 months, same as cash. And I, I don't know what your story is. But I will tell you, I had no idea what to do with money. But there were a lot of people who had ideas of how to take it from me. And if you don't have a plan, it will always run from you. And I realized a fundamental truth. Money is spiritual. And we all have a common enemy. And if he can keep us at zero, he can rob us from pursuing God's call in our life. From being generous. Because we are forced to be more selfish instead of selfless. And and we run towards greed instead of generosity. But we all have to deal with this. And I had to realize, and this is the second thing I want to share with you today, is that God has blessed each of us. God has blessed each of us. That's a good spot to say amen. God has blessed each of us, hasn't he? And, and, and I know a lot of times when I was broke, I would say, well, not enough. But I realized that it was how my knowledge or lack thereof was causing me to struggle. And so I started reading God's word, and this parable is one of them. Verses 14 and 15 of Matthew 25, Jesus shares, again, you'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. Okay? To one, and he gave five talents of money. To another, two talents. To another one talent. And everybody read these next five words with me, starting with the word each. Will you read them with me? Let's go. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. You see, this is one of the keys that Jesus gives us. And I I love reading scripture, and I love reading it fast to get, you know, read the Bible in a year. Uh, My buddy uh, just read the Bible in a month. Well, there's another way of studying scripture where you slow way down, and, and it's called homiletics. And I love that word, homiletics. Everybody say homiletics. homiletics. Is it, anybody know homiletics? I know some people up here know homiletics. But homiletics is really breaking down scripture and saying, what is it saying? What are all the different things it's saying? And what is it inferring that may not be said, but you can take from it? Well, when you look at homiletics of this, one of the things you see is that the Lord recognizes our ability 
to handle what he places in our hands. And he gives according to that ability. You see, it says each according to his ability. And many times we look at some dream that we know God gave us. And it outpaces the size of the bank account. Has anybody ever had a dream that was bigger than the bank account? Anybody have one of those right now? I mean, and it's a wonderful thing because it, re it creates an utter reliance on the Lord. Each according to his ability. And one way that I recognize is I said I have no ability. And here I am daring to look at a holy God and say, God, I have nothing. I've spent it all. You need to give me more. And as I read this scripture, I realized that the issue was not God giving me more. He had given me more. Do you think it helped? Absolutely not. It just accelerated my misbehavior with money. And so I had to increase my ability. How do you increase your ability? Well, classes help a lot. Uh, seeking wise counsel. Proverbs 15, 22 shares this. It says, plans fail for lack of what? Counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. And one thing that I've discovered is that when people struggle, they tend to try to be private, believing they're the only ones with the issue. And they will not seek counsel because usually of a one-word, five-letter answer, pride. And pride was keeping me broke and keeping me from moving towards the things that I knew God was calling me to do. And so I had to submit myself to counsel. And it was the type of counsel that gave me discipline. And these people were people who loved Jesus, who had won with their money God's way, and they loved nothing more than to testify of what God had done. And they also gave me the beloved left foot of fellowship occasionally to help me move along. And that's very helpful. Discipline. And we pick it up in verses 16 through 18. It says, the man who had received the five talents took a nap. Is that what he says? <laughs> it says, the man who went received the five talents hoped. Did it say that? No, what's it say? He went at once and he put his money to work. And he gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the one who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And I, I love this passage of scripture because it challenges me greatly. And as I looked at this passage of scripture, I realized for me that, that I was not going at once, that I was being lazy, and that I needed help with my financial situation. And so I sought counsel. And I, I did something that's really crazy. Now, now buckle your seatbelts, especially you spenders. Um, this is real crazy. Pastor Fitz shared this last week. I, I put together a budget. And then we did something even crazier. We followed it. <laughs> you know they're two separate things, right? And, and so we put together this budget, and, and we put God first. We put a full tithe in there. On the gross. Because I was broke art anyway. So I did what a concept known as angry tithing. I don't know if anybody's ever done that. <laughs> but it's when you're angry at your financial station and you realize it says put, you put God to the test, right? In Matthew 3, uh, Malachi 3.10. And I'll test you right now, Lord. I don't know if you, none of you have ever done that. And then I put saving second, investing third, and manage the rest. And that month we incurred zero new debt. And our debt went down a little bit. The next month, that went so good, we did it again. And 14 months later, we had paid off all of our debt except for our house. In fact, 
Three and a half years later, I was able to leave my corporate America job and go to work for a church I had helped start in Anderson, South Carolina, and I got to negotiate myself a 50% pay cut. Yes. <laughs> Get fired up. The reason I bring it up is that the maybe what God's calling you to do next won't pay you more. But it is what God has called you to do. And he's asking you to get your money in order so that you can do that and still prosper. You see, the greedy Christian American prayer has been, God only loves me if he gives me more. But sometimes God is positioning you to prosper, but with less. And we were able to go on staff at this church we had helped start. And God was blessing and it exploded. And we, we had started it, me and my wife, with 13 others. And it had grown to 6,000 people on a weekend service, and we were able to be on staff and help it launch campuses across the state of South Carolina, and we saw this amazing move of God take over the state of South Carolina to 14 campuses and 33,000 people in-person worship every weekend. Unbelievable. And, and I got to be a part of that. I wonder what would have happened if I had just kept spending. I would have missed out on the blessing of being a part of this amazing move of God. You see, God has blessed each of us. And whatever it is that God has for you next, how we manage the resources he places in our hands is absolutely going to be part of our ability of whether or not we get to be a part of that or not. See, the third thing that I see here is that we will be held accountable. We will be held accountable. In verse 19, it says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Doesn't say how long, but he came back. And he said, how did you do? And it's amazing. You know, we, we see three categories of people in this story. And the first one is, and I want you to kind of see where you're at in this story. Uh, the first category is those who have managed well. Those who have managed well. And that's many people in this room. I've heard of the generosity of this room. And it says in verse 20, the man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And, and I love in this passage of scripture that the owner does not say to the guy who brought back four, how come you didn't bring back ten? You see, you are accountable only for what the Lord has placed in your hand. Not for someone else's, not for your parents, not for your, your, your brother or sister, not for your co-workers. We are accountable to the Lord for what he's placed in our individual hands. And, and as I look at those who've managed well, it was a wonderful moment. That's that moment in that class where you get an A. You know, you feel really good reporting to the teacher. And, and if this is you, if you've managed well, and you've applied God's word and God has blessed you, and you can look back at moments in your life and you're like, that was God, that was God, I don't know how that happened. And it, there's three things I would challenge you to do today. The first thing is to thank God. Thank God every day for his word, for his provision, and every single day, give him thanks before you spend a dime of it, saying, Lord, guide and direct what, what you ask me to do with these dollars today. The second thing I would urge you to do is tell others. 
Start with your kids. Teach your grandkids. Teach your coworkers. Have you noticed there's a lack of financial education in this nation? You know, when I started teaching this stuff way back in the early 2000s, the national debt was $3 trillion. Anybody know what it is today? Put a zero behind it. $30 trillion. We spend on average 35 cents for every dollar that comes in. Uh, 35 cents more, $1.35 for every dollar that comes in in federal tax revenue. Why is that? I submit to you it's because we have a representative government. And they are merely representing how Americans have dived into the lie of consumerism where they greatly overconsume and spend excessively way beyond what their budget can handle. So teach others, start with your family. And the third thing is to guard yourself. Because it can be so easy to start measuring who you are by what you have, isn't it? You know, I am a millionaire. I have a million dollars in my 401k. Isn't this awesome? Look at me. It's seven figures. How'd that work in 2007 and 8 when the 401k turned into a 201k and then into a box of special K? Does anybody remember that? I mean, it was very special. Or December 2018 or maybe the last five months, right? It's challenging, isn't it? If you measure who you are by what you have, Jesus warns us another passage, Matthew 6. He says, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moss and vermin destroy and thieves will break in and steal, right? He tells us store up treasures in heaven. Very important. So make sure you guard yourself. The second category is those who've managed poorly. And that's this poor fellow in verse 24 through 30. It says, then the man who'd received the one talent came. Have you ever been in that class where you went in behind the A student? This was me every day in engineering class. Like sneak in, uh, slinking in. It says, master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And he emits a real human feeling. A feeling that will cause us to lie to ourselves. Do you see it? It's fear. He says, so I was afraid. And I went out and hid your talent in the ground. God is the prince of peace. Not of fear. He gave in to fear. And it caused him to do crazy things. I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Jesus' words here in this parable. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. Have you heard this? How the rich just keep getting richer? Have you heard people say this stuff? This is a principle that happens because they are managing well. And it says, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's strong words from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, isn't it? And it's this guy who managed poorly. He just did not do anything with what God had given him. And, and if that's you, if... If you've, if you've felt God calling you to do something, yet you've just sat on it, you've buried it, here's the call to action today, is to begin to put it to use. Whatever that skill set is that, that God gave you, and you know you need to be using it, but it's dormant. It's time to get out the shovel. Maybe you need a spade. Maybe it's a little deeper. And dig it back up and put it to use today. If we're talking financially, hey, maybe it's time to 
get that budget out. Dust it off. Get on that, that computer and uh, pull out Microsoft Excel or Google Drive and let it do some math for you. Uh, may, maybe it's time, to, if you're married, to sit down with your spouse and dream again about what's next. So that you can make sure you honor the Lord with everything he's placed in your hands. Recently, my bride and I realized that a whole bunch of our dreams have been accomplished. And, and I, I have a 22-year-old who is graduating college in May. I don't know how that happened. I recently held her in a hospital. It's stunning, isn't it, parents? And, and you know, we had a 10-year gap before number two showed up. He's 12 now. He breaks everything. He makes sure that I don't build real wealth. Because he just breaks everything. It's awesome. But here's what I know. He's awesome. And, uh, and then we had a surprise. And so I've got, I've got a second grader too. She's eight. And I am teaching them right now using an app called Greenlight to budget. And they got, I got them little cards. They get little master cards. And, and I can manage a budget and they can earn chores. And if they, if they don't do the chore, they lose the money. And I'm teaching them in the household, my 22-year-old, I started when she was 15, giving her all the money for the month and making her give me a budget. And I made her go in this order, give, save, invest, plan the rest. And I knew things were working well when we went to visit Santa, and she was 16, and the two little kids were there, and my son, he bribes people. He brought Santa some candy and a dollar bill, trying to buy, buy off Santa, which is awesome. My 16-year-old was too big to sit on Santa's lap. So Santa looked up at my daughter and says, and young lady, what would you like to have for Christmas? And she said, I would like to have a Roth IRA. <laughs> and Santa's response was awesome. I know where you can get a great retirement account. She said, where? He said, join the Marines. It was awesome. <laughs> but if you're managing poorly, if you've got it stored up, if you've got it in, stowed away in the ground, hey, today, let this be a clarion call. Dig it out. Let the light of the world shine on it and put it to use. God will guide you. Even though you don't know exactly what to do, don't let fear keep you from doing what you know is right and good. The third category, as I was looking at this story, I realized as I kind of broke apart the scripture, there's really a group of Americans who are not in this story. And it is this, those who are missing from the story. Who are missing? Well, the guy who was scolded, he actually kept what he was given. If you look at 70% of Americans, they haven't kept what has been given to them. They've spent all of it plus some more. If we were to write them in this story, it would say, I immediately spent it. I financed a bunch more. Can I get a loan? And if that's you, I, I've lived there. And I would tell you today is the day where you say that is not honoring God, nor is it honoring the dreams he's placed in your heart. Hey, today is the day you put together a budget and ask the Lord to guide you. And, and, and so I used to go around telling I'm so broke jokes uh, when I was broke. Anybody want to hear any of them? Just say yes. Okay. I mean, I was broke. Somebody say how broke. I was so broke that uh, when somebody came to my door and pressed the button, I personally had to yell ding dong, you know, because the power was off. I mean, I was broke. I was so broke. I was walking around with one shoe on. They said, hey, you lost a shoe. I said, no, I found one. <laughs> I mean, I was broke. I was so broke that I go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and lick other people's fingers. <laughs> no, don't do that. It's kind of weird. But here's what I would tell you as we wrap it up today. We can be free. 
We can be free in this area of money. This thing called money has messed up so many relationships. You know people who have ruined relationships. There's been business partnerships that were great friends that got tore apart because of money. There are parents who do not talk to the kids, and there are kids who do not talk to their parents because of money. My parents tell me all the time that they are so proud at age 84 and 81 that they have six boys who have not moved back in with them and begged them for money because they have multiple friends their age who are still supporting 50-year-old children who could easily do it on their own, but they've given themselves over to consumerism and materialistic greed. And I wanted to tell you today, you can be free in this area. Money does not have to be a terrible topic. Jesus provided more stuff on money than he does the topics of love, hope, and prayer combined. He knew we would have to deal with it every day. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, I grew up just south of Indianapolis, and they had the Indianapolis Star paper there. It's still on the top of the paper every time they, they it's on the website, and when they print it, occasionally they print it, it says this, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty, there is freedom. And they still have the King James Version, they say liberty. And I want you to know today, you can be free, your kids can be free in this area of money, and the greatest way that i found to be free in the area of money is to always put God first in my money. That, that I noticed that one of the primary reasons that God wants us to give money away is because it keeps him centered in first place in our life. And when you give, it pushes back greed, it pushes back selfishness, and allows you to live with this great joy of life. And so today, as your call to action... Uh, there's going to be some next steps coming up here at First Press Tampa. Everybody has a card like this. If you would take a quick minute to fill this out, uh, as special events are going to be put together here and some studies, uh, First Press wants to reach out to you so that they can contact you when those are launching. And so you can fill out your name, your email address, and cell phone number. I'm sure they're just going to come visit you immediately today at your house. <laughs> no, they're not. You can fill it out, and as you leave, you can put it in the basket that's on the chair there in the middle. Uh, so take a quick minute to do that, and then I'm going to pray for us and send us out. Everybody got it? Good. I will tell you, if you write down a website... I'm going to just give you six letters, I-W-B-N-I-N, stands for I was broke, now I'm not, I-W-B-N-I-N.com. I have over 100 free financial tools there, free budget templates, debt calculators, financial calculators, investment calculators. There's over 100 of them there at I-W-B-N-I-N.com. They're all free, uh, no login or anything required to do access those. All right, will you join me in prayer? Lord, I thank you for every life represented here today, those in this room and those online. God, I know that this topic of money has caused so many challenges in our life. And Lord, today, I pray as you brought to our remembrance the different challenges that we've had in this area, Lord, I pray that you would help us to forgive others and to forgive ourselves. Lord, we're so grateful that salvation is not dependent on the size of our bank account or what little is in there. Jesus, we do thank you that you were the ultimate act of generosity and that you gave your life that we might be able to have freedom, that we might be able to have that free gift of salvation. 
and have a debt that we could never repay be paid off for us. Lord Jesus, I do pray that as, as this great church expands to be able to impact your kingdom more, Lord, that you would produce an abundant spiritual harvest as a result of the financial sacrifices that are being made. Lord Jesus, we love you, and we pray all these things in your name. Will you stand with me as I, I pray, uh, say, send you out for this week? Will you stand with me? So will you receive this? Lord, uh, I pray today that every one of you leaves with the peace of Christ. I, I, I send you with the joy of the Lord that you would encounter positions of sorrow and bring the love of Christ. I pray that he brings clarity in confusing circumstances. And I pray that every step that you take, you bring the hope, the love, and joy of Jesus Christ. Go in his name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Make it dead, man.